When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host at Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And joining me for this special episode where we are going to talk about Bob Dylan live is my pal and fellow Bobcat and fellow podcaster, Henry Bernstein. Hi, Henry. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me here. This is a dream come true. Well, thank you very much for doing this. I'm very excited because, of course, you have recently seen uh, Bob live, and I have seen Bob live, and I didn't get to go last year, and so this was it was definitely on my agenda this year to see him. So now I've seen him, and I really wanted to talk about this show, and luckily you have seen him. You've actually seen him twice in the last month or so, right? That's right. I saw him in Milwaukee at the end of October, and then a few days later in Chicago, right. also at the end of October. Perfect. And since the set lists have been exactly the same, uh, pretty much other than the <laughs> opening uh, couple of shows at the beginning of this tour, we can we're going to go through. Henry and I are going to go through the set list of each of these shows. I said that's the same exact set list, and we're going to just talk about our mutual experiences seeing Bob live. But before we get to that in particular, I want to ask you, Henry, since this is your first time on the show, like how did you become a fan of Bob? Um, I think like many people when I was about 18 or 19, I'm 37 now, and I, you know, a friend gave me Blonde on Blonde, and I just, I heard visions of Johanna, and I, <laughs> that was it. I was hooked. And I went back and like that summer, bought every single album um, I could, every Hanukkah, birthday, like, uh, you know, I signed up for like that you know, the, 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 the thing you used to do where you'd get a bunch of CDs. And then if you bought one, yeah, I forget what it was called. Um, BMG music or something. Oh, there was the Columbia you know, record like, and tape bought. club too. Yeah. There you go. That was it. That was it. So I just got e- literally everything like, uh, Oh, knocked out loaded. I've never heard of that. I'll get that, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> oops. Um, Columbia but, was happy uh, to get rid of that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I spent like, like a good, like year and a half, just like absorbing as much Dylan as I could. And I've sort of, been obsessed since um the the shows i saw him this year were shows 24 and 25 um for me uh the first time i saw him was 2002 on the love and theft tour so i'm uh, yeah he's he's my guy (laughs) wow you packed a lot because that's my this show that i saw him in baltimore was my 24th but i've been seeing him about 10 years longer than you have so you've packed a lot of shows into a relatively tight time frame (laughs) yeah i just you know with bob it's like every time and this has now been you know a long time 15 years or so you know every time i'm like oh this could be the last time i'm gonna see him you know so i just i have to go and yet it never is. I remember, I think I meant, I must have mentioned this in a previous episode, but a bunch of years ago I saw, I was on a message board or something. It was some comment somebody made about, uh, there was like some Cuban musician, like a jazz musician who had recently just passed away at age 98 or something. And he had been touring up until like a year before. 
And someone oh said, and someone was like, and this was like 10 years ago when they wrote this. And someone said, you know, based on that, we could potentially be seeing 30 more years of Bob Dylan concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I hope so. That would be great. I have a feeling that's how Bob Your would want to go. Got ears. <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah. I, think, I think Bob would want to just finish the show and then just keel over on this keyboard. And that's going to be the end of it. So, uh, well, very cool. That's very exciting. And like I said, this was really, it was so great that when I started mentioning on Facebook that I was at the show because I was, you know, I was sending out messages, pictures and stuff that we took, you know, a bunch of people were like, oh, wow, I just saw him or I'm at this show or whatever. And I have a whole story about that in a moment. But it was really exciting to get to talk to you because I didn't know necessarily that you were a Dylan fan. I mean, you've uh, you are we, we know that you're a listener to various shows on the network, but I didn't know you were a Dylan fan. So it was so exciting we get to discover someone who's a Dylan fan like me. And of course, you, you've been having these experiences. You've been out uh, seeing shows. Do you, you mind if I ask, who did you go with to these shows? Um, honestly, to these two, I went solo. I, um, I, I'm totally comfortable going to Dylan shows by myself. Um, I, I have this fear sometimes when I go with people that they're going to hate it and then I'm going to be upset, you know, right. I'm going to spend the whole time like convincing them why it was amazing. Right. Um, <laughs> and everyone that I love, I've taken to at least one show for the most part. Um, my wife has seen Dylan with me. It was actually our third date and she liked it, you know, um, that's a so bold move like, for a third date, man. That's a bold move. Oh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but it works. Um, yeah, she's your wife. And, so obviously you paid right. <laughs> Exactly. So I, you know, I, I just I was like, this is something I, you know, it's been a, you know, a very long two years with a two year old and a seven month old. I was like, I need to go do this thing on my own, you know, <laughs> have some Henry, Henry and Bob time. So you I went it. by myself. <laughs> and okay. I had a blast. I met so many interesting people and sat with people that had never seen him. One kid was 20 and one guy was like 75 and oh, had never seen them. They had a blast. Yeah, it was incredible. So, you know, I was perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I've seen a couple of shows uh, solo. The reason I was asking is because this, the one that I went to when I saw him in Baltimore on November 12th at the UMBC Event Center was, uh, I had gone, I've been, I went with my pal Dan, uh, who I went to art school with, and we've been seeing Bob shows together for 27 years now. But we both brought uh, the new women in our lives. And this was the first show Dan and I had gone to where we brought our significant others with us and he brought his girlfriend Aaron and I brought my girlfriend Kelly and um, neither one of them had been to a Bob show before so I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm not sure how nervous Dan was I was nervous because I'm I, getting nervous now just hearing yeah, this from I, you right I, now <laughs> you know Kelly didn't know much about Bob she was obviously aware of him because how can you not be it's like not being aware of like a tree you know he's just out there but I <laughs> but I had been buying her CDs and she had liked some of it and I've been sending her lyrics and but I you know like you I'm a little nervous you know what I mean? I was like, oh, God, I hope that she doesn't. I think I even said to her before. So I'm like, I just hope that you don't hate it. You know, it's, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> it, it's fine if you never want to go again. If you've seen it once and it's fine. But I just don't want you to. I don't want you to sit there for an hour and a half and just be utterly miserable. And uh, I guess we're jumping ahead to the end. But luckily, she actually had a really good time. She really enjoyed it. And so did Aaron. And it was it was very, very rewarding to me to be able to bring someone who means so much to me and and experience this with her. And luckily, like she he even played some songs that she knew of that she liked. And so therefore, she got to even understand how he reinterprets stuff, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought that gives gives it an added context. It's like, oh, we already know this song. I mean, she doesn't know that many of his songs, but she knew a couple. Right. And she was able to say, oh, now I know what you're talking about, how he radically alters these songs in in concert so she had a really good as soon as it was over she turned to me and she said that was awesome and i 
Oh, my heart. Oh, great. Grew, yeah, my heart grew five sizes that moment. You know what I mean? It was just great. And then later on, she bought me a T-shirt, and she bought herself a T-shirt. And it just, it was, you know, seeing shows with my buddy Dan has been great. It's been one of the most fun experiences I get to have with a friend. But it was so much more fun getting to bring uh, the women in our lives to the show. It was it was just such a great experience. So, okay, let's get to the concerts uh, specifically. Now, we'll go over again. Where did you see him again? I saw him in Milwaukee at the Rave Eagles Ballroom, which is just like an old like ballroom venue. I've seen Bob there a couple other times. Wow. And it's just like this old kind of crappy place with <laughs> that Bob likes and has mm-hmm. great acoustics. And the people there were like the salt of the earth. They were so into it, so happy. Um, and then the second place I saw him was Chicago UIC Pavilion, which I don't like seeing Bob in arena in arenas. I, I don't think it works for him. And there were, frankly, there were a lot of people there who were like sort of not into it, just going because it was like a thing to do on a Thursday night in Chicago. Hmm. And the arena is just too big for him. Like I like seeing him in a in a theater. So yeah. I can understand that. Yeah, the uh, the place we saw him at was a fairly small hall, and I was. Uh, actually really pleased with our seats because we were off to the side uh but we were very wow. close to the stage we were real we That's sat great. we kept we kept walking down we're getting closer and closer and closer we're like wow these are really pretty good and it was sort of funny when i bought the tickets in that i of course i tried to go for the center uh and i was mm-hmm. buying that you know and then uh, you know as you're for anyone who has tried to use the Ticketmaster website it's yeah. it's a nightmarish scenario because it's like you right. buy you it's so you, scary yeah you select your tickets and you go through the process and then you get to like stage five and you hit you know purchase and you hit purchase and then it says those seats have been taken you're like well why did you let me get that far then because now know. i've missed it and so i kept watching the seats further and further from the stage oh. disappear and i'm just like oh my god you know when I, so i finally was like look i at this point we're like you know, a bunch of sections back, and I don't want to be that far back. And I was cognizant that I'm br- we were bringing two people who hadn't seen him before. And of course, Bob is not the most demonstrative uh, singer. You no, know, he's not no big Trumptron either. Right? Exactly. I mean, so I mean, if you don't know, if you don't see him, he's just this tiny little figure. And I was like, I really want to kind of get close. So I said, Oh, screw all that. Let's try for the uh, let's try for the side section. And luckily. The side section, like those, were all available. So I grabbed those, and we ended up being like, I think, but I don't know, probably like fifty, sixty feet from the stage, which was really good. Awesome. They were really good seats. So, yeah, it was great good. to see yeah. him was, and see his face. It was great. wonderful. Yeah, I was very close to from Milwaukee. I was four rows back, left side or stage right. So I got to see Bob the whole time, smiling on guitar, on piano. I saw Charlie, the guitarist, um, and didn't really see people on the other side. Chicago, I was so excited. I got second row. It was the closest oh, wow. I'd ever been seated show. You know, I, when I was, when I've seen him at a general admission venues, I'd, I've like been leaning on the stage. Um, but it was the closest I'd ever gotten for a seated venue. But we were on the right side. I didn't realize what was going to happen. And so literally two-thirds of the show, I didn't really see Bob because the way the stage was set up, oh. if you were on the right side, when he was behind his piano, you didn't see him. Oh, right, right, right. And, oh, geez. Oh, that's and so it was crazy. It was kind of crazy. So it actually turned out okay because since I'd seen him 24 times, I just for those songs, I just sat down and closed my eyes and like took it all in, and <laughs> it was a, which was a different experience too. He got a good so, shot of the mannequins I'm kind on of stage. A Dylan apologist, like he literally st- hid behind his piano, and I'm like, it was amazing. You know, like I can't. I have a very hard time <laughs> saying anything he did was bad. 
you know, even though people behind me were super pissed. Yeah, so, it's the, the way we yeah. kind of roll. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, said. So let's uh, we'll talk. Let's talk about the set list here and said because they are the the ones the shows you saw were the same one as I as I did. So he opened up with uh, things have changed, uh, and um, it's sort of funny that sing the things have changed is to me kind of like a downbeat song, uh, but then the way he's been doing it lately because it's partly it's an opener. Uh, you can sort of like you do with a lot of his songs. You can sort of interpret that things have changed as maybe it's a good thing. You know, things used to be bad, mm-hmm. but things have changed, and that's sort of how I take it. Because, like I said, my life has changed very different since the last time I saw Bob. So, what did you think of that as the opener? It was great. I mean, first of all, it's it's a song he's very proud of. You know, his Oscar that he won yeah. for it is sitting right there next to his piano. If you're of new, let's call it newer. I'm putting up air quotes, but like you know, post two thousands Dylan stuff. It's you know, it, it would be on um, Greatest Hits Volume 4, you know, like it's mm-hmm. it's one of his best songs. And it was great. The the arrangement, he tweaked it slightly. So like in the middle at the pre-chorus at the standing on the gallows with my head in a noose part, it kind of upswings and it was kind of like had this like circus tango feel to it. And um, and he was having fun, like he was smiling and you know, the way he plays guitar is sort of like how he plays piano. He, like, plays these little, like, licks or um, these little sort of scales, and that's it. You know, he's not playing chords or, you know, playing pure melody. So he was just kind of goofing around. It was adorable. It was amazing. Right, yeah. I thought it was a solid over. Yeah, he clearly does love that song. He's been playing it a lot. And, I mean... We all know that Bob is a big movie fan. Like, he just is a movie buff. And if you're a movie buff and you win an Oscar, how can you not be proud of the thing you won the Oscar for? You know what I mean? It's like good Yeah, I know. Right. Of course. And he did some cool theatrical things, though. It it is very clear that his arrangements are very intentional. He did this thing where um, there was, like, a deafening turnaround. uh, You know, that kind of thing. And then he stopped. And then and he, and he paused right before, but things have changed. And then the crowd just like went nuts. You know, he did like these little dramatic things throughout the night that like that, that would like purposely get people up and into it. And it totally worked. Yeah, it's good. It was a good, again, it's high energy. And that's how you want to start the show is, is with something big, get everybody moving and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a. And how song. great was it to see him play guitar? Like it was such a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. He hasn't been doing a lot of that. So it was really cool. Yeah, it's a good, uh, good, good song, Bob. And it was sort of funny. I, I mentioned to Kelly that he won the Oscar for that. And so she, and I said, well, he's won a Grammy too. And so she's like, oh, he's halfway to an EGOT then. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about that. He doesn't have the Emmy or the Tony. Uh, Girl but, from the North Country could win a Tony. Who knows? It, that's true. I don't know if Bob would get a Tony for that, but that's true. He could be, he could be close. We'll have to get him an Emmy something. He's got to do some TV stuff. Could make a joke that like, yeah, his like appearance on like Dharma and Greg yeah. in 1994 or whatever won't get him an Emmy. But. Didn't, didn't get him a, I, <laughs> I don't guess. know if that was worth pausing yeah. everything for that bad joke, but yeah. No, no, no. It's good. No, I said he probably, probably wasn't going to earn a uh, best uh, supporting guest appearance Gra- Emmy for Dharma right. and Greg or anything like that or right. Pawn Stars or whatever he's been doing on TV. Right. So. Thank you for knowing that reference, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, the next song uh, was It Ain't Me, Babe. And uh, this is one of these songs that I, I mean, look, it's a great song. It's certainly one of his more famous ones but personally it's never been one of my favorites i actually sort of the version on another side is certainly very famous but i actually kind of like when he rocks it up a little and this one was rocked up a lot i like the especially on the chorus like he really turned the chorus into kind of like a celebratory thing uh which i really enjoyed i thought that was terrific 
it was so great that he, you know, he people he gets a lot of flack for like, oh, you, the songs are unrecognizable. You can't. This was a sing along. He made it mm-hmm. into a sing along, and it was one of the ones people knew from the '60s. You know that a lot of you know that there are many. There is a demographic of people that are going there thinking they're going to hear that stuff. So it was great, and it was fun to sing along to it. Um, and the crowd, you know, the crowd was really up and into it, and he was having fun clunking away on his piano. I was. I, there was there were like two shows early on in the tour where he was playing "It's All Over Now, Baby Blue" instead of this one, and I would have much rather heard that one. Um, but I loved it just the same. It was great. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific song, and I said I like the arrangement. I did like again. It becomes sort of celebratory, despite it being a kiss off song, uh, especially yeah. one to a kind of an audience. It's at this point, it, you feel that Bob can just do whatever he wants, and he knows that the crowd doesn't have those expectations from him anymore. I think, I think he right. knows the crowd is mostly there to just take in what he wants to deliver. So I think it doesn't have that. It, it doesn't have that nasty edge to it, and it becomes kind of sweeter, which I really like. So I thought it was a. Terrific version of it. Absolutely. Um, next up was Highway 61 Revisited, which just became like a pile-driving rock song. I mean, just bam, oh, bam, yeah. bam, like just rip right through it. And that was one of the ones that I think if you don't know the words, you probably would have a tough time figuring out what the hell he was singing just because he was singing it so fast. Like, it's already a short song. It's barely four minutes, but he just ripped through it. I have the same exact notes. He ripped through it. Uh, he was belting it. It was great. And... A lot of people knew the lyrics because they, you know, that's a, you know, that's one of his classics. Yeah. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth song was Simple Twist of Fate. And this, of course, where he's slowing things way down. And oh. this, this was really interesting because as far as I could tell, uh, a good, probably at least half the song has been rewritten. Uh, and I was yes. trying uh, to, f- I was trying to kind of c- catch up with the words. There was a, there was a line about meeting in 1958 and holding hands. And I, I was like, yeah. Wow, he's just he's still rewriting these songs, even though it's you know, this song is forty-five years old at this point. So he says, Yeah, the lyrical change was he woke up and she was gone. She didn't see nothing but the dawn, got out of bed, put his shoes right on right on, pushed back the blinds, found a note she left behind, and then and then he goes, He goes, Found a note she left behind. What's that? Said you should have met me back in fifty-eight, you know. And it, it was just so cute because he like responded to himself. I don't know if you caught that. No, but I didn't. he said I found didn't a note that. she left. He said found a note she left behind. What's that? Said it said you should have met me back in fifty-eight. Wow, we could have avoided simple twist of fate. So he's like even playing both parts like for a second. It was like it was really quick. If you didn't catch it, no, no, I didn't um, hear that. And then he busted out the harmonica. On this one. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, and people, boy, people flip out when he gets the harmonica out. <laughs> when, they, when they see him oh, walk over to the riser to pick like, it up. Yeah. There are people around me who are like, he still plays harmonica? I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Like, <laughs> um, there was one other uh, lyric change that I wanted to mention. He said, people tell me it's a sin, that it's wrong, and it's w- wicked. I let her get under my skin, under my skin too late. I hit another date. A date that couldn't wait. Blame it on a simple twist of fate. Dear God. Which, oh, man. Which was the, I mean, come on, right? Like, that that just, that got under my skin, you know, just as he said. You know, it's just like, whew. Yeah, that that that's one of those things. It's, it's he is not known, obviously, for 
um, uh, presenting new songs in concert. Like he almost never does that. I think the only time he ever really did was briefly in the mid sixties. And then on the, the gospel tours where he was introducing songs before they were recorded, but he doesn't really do that anymore. But when you hear brand, I mean, it is kind of amazing to sit there and like, I'm hearing new Bob Dylan lyrics. Yes. It's for an old song, but I'm hearing what he's kind of thinking right now. I mean, these are relatively Mm -hmm. new words and I'm hearing it for the first time live it's like what a treat that is to get to to hear that from him i mean he's still sitting there tinkering with uh, you know something that's half a century old it's it's just it's unreal it's unreal i mean it's very similar to what you what you said on the uh tangled up in blue episode uh when you guys did the little section on the real live yes um uh, you know these songs are living and breathing and continue to evolve just because you know just because he's older and has these greatest hits doesn't mean they don't have to to change um and it's yeah, like you said it's a treat we're seeing him write music sort of in real time um which is which is you know the ultimate gift from bob dylan yeah yeah it really i said and i would love to know i mean she's I, I mean i'd love to read any interview with bob that he chooses to give about any subject but i really would love somebody to just interview him just about the tour like just about touring just ask mm-hmm. him the, he seems to really get it why are you doing that yes yeah <laughs> i mean he seems to really be interested in interviews where they where they focus on the music not so much the celebrity part of him uh and 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 so i would love it if somebody just sat down and said look we're just going to talk about touring that's it that's all we're going to talk about and i would love to know when is he rewriting this does he does he rewrite the song and then decide, oh, you know what? Now that I've rewritten it, let's take it out on the road. Or does he say, I'm going to take this out on the road? Oh, you know what? This can this needs a little freshening up. I would love to know the the order of events, how he decides these things. Yeah, and like one thing that's also so impressive is that memory of remembering all the lyrics. Now we've all been to Dylan concerts where he's flubbed some lyrics. I've seen him do it on Times Air, change in a bunch. Um, and there, but there was a time when he used to stand behind. Uh, he used to have an electric piano behind a pedal steel uh, that he would use to put his lyrics on. He didn't have that. I mean, he had an upright piano and no one would have faulted him for having a piece of paper up there. Nope. Just nope. And he was and not only did he remember every single lyric he ever wrote, but wrote, but made up new ones, too. I mean, not saying on the spot, but maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't I don't He's 78. You know what I mean? I can't rem- <laughs> I can't remember all those things for God's sake. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just amazing. So that was a real highlight. That was a real, real highlight to to get to hear that. And I, I remember I looked at uh, my at my friend Erin, and she was like, she knew the song, and she was like, wow, like her eyes were wide. She was like, wow, because she knew she had heard something. She knew the song enough to know that the words were different, and that was that mm-hmm. was really really good. So uh, the next song was "Can't Wait," which is of course from uh, from "Time Out of Mind," and like this is a song that I've never loved. I I like it just fine on the record. But I actually really like this live version. I actually thought it had kind of, I don't know, I like the vibe uh, a little more, a little more country-ish yes. uh, than, than the one on the record. So I actually I actually thought it was a really good, I think he shortened it. I don't remember it being, I think the version I heard at the concert was shorter than the one on the record, I believe. Could be. I mean, it, it actually. Or he may have just sang is... it faster. I don't know. Yeah, it actually, I mean, it doesn't have that many lyrics to it. The What was nice about this, there was this nice reoccurring lick. It was like, bum, ba-dum, bum, ba-dum. And then it, that was like this reoccurring lick throughout. 
And then there was this part about halfway through where the band completely pulled back, got yes. very soft. Yes. And um, Bob was like, I meant to love you. I've been working through stormy weather. He goes up. And he goes, I'm dreaming of you, all the places we can roam together. And it's he kind of plays like a seventh chord there that it's like a little dissonant. And then the, the band just picks right up. But but um, it was like it was very, again, very theatrical. It was amazing. That's yeah, I'm glad you used that word, because I mean, I mentioned earlier, I made the joke about seeing the uh, the mannequins on stage. And oh, yeah. this, there was a lot more uh, set dressing uh, there. There's a there's a Greek bust. Uh, yeah. I saw at the stage, That's and the, the yeah. Tempest bust has been there since then. Since yeah, then. yeah, yeah. So I mean, he, this was this definitely had a kind of old timey theater feeling. I mean, I uh, Aaron was asking what was the point of the mannequins, and I said I have no idea. But I mean, no I, knows. I was sort of amused that there was that there's a guy out there who was Bob Dylan's mannequin guy. There's a guy who can say that. He's like, what's your job? I'm the mannequin guy on the tour. Like, all right, okay, you know, whatever this means. Apparently they do Apparently, they do have names. There, there's been, like, some chatter online. Like, I think one of them is named Rachel and, like, maybe Fred or something. I, the, like, people, some people, fans were, like, talking to the, the crew at one of the shows. And they, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to tell myself one of them is named Lily. The other one's called Rosemary. The other one's Nettie Moore, <laughs> maybe, you know, yeah. maybe whatever. So, yeah, okay. Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad you said the word theatrical. That that's a really great way of of putting it. So that's really really cool. Uh, next up was to me one of the two real highlights oh. of the show, which is oh the, when I paint my masterpiece. Because all right, not only is that one of my favorite songs of his, I'd put that on my me top. Too. Yeah, I, I put that on like my top fifteen songs of his. Uh, it is a complete and utter reinterpretation of it into this kind of slower meditation kind of thing and you would not think that that would work and i'll be damned if it didn't i was this i thought first of all it's an obscure song he this is not something he ever plays much in concert so the fact that he's digging it out at all is great and then the fact that he took to the he rewrote a bunch of it i could tell that there were some new words on top of it but then to just completely rework it into a very different vibe everyone i think loved it and when this song ended my pal dan turned to me and he goes that was one of the highlights of all of our shows. And I agreed with that. I think that's, this is one of the best things I've heard him do live. It was fantastic. Oh, my God, Rob. I have so much to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> first of all, yes. And, I mean, 100% agree with everything you said. I was so excited for this one because of the 90-plus songs I've heard live. I've never heard this one. Wow, that um, was a treat. Live. So, like you said, it's, he doesn't play it that often. And it's one of my all-time favorite songs. He starts out by just playing some scales, and then it's actually just a soft acoustic song with just piano. It was almost as if, imagine the days when he would play just guitar on stage, which I would love, it would kill anyone you know, to see that. But he was doing it with piano, and it was just, um, the, the, the only major arrange, change of the arrangement um, was that he was stretching out some of the lyrics he would go and go up again like he did um with that with can't wait he'd, he'd go um uh like you're seeing double and then he'd and then he'd go but come back into it and um there were a couple lyric changes like you said he said gotta hurry on back to my hotel room gotta wash all my clothes um and then i couldn't make out the rest of the line um and then he said gonna lock the doors and stay right there for a while gonna stay right there till i paint my masterpiece and again, every time he sort of paused right before he got to the masterpiece line and everyone clapped. 
there. And then finally, like halfway through the song, the band just very barely comes up um, underneath. And then every time he sings beautiful, he stretches that out and he goes, uh, everything is going to be beautiful when I paint. Right. And it was just awesome the way he did that. You know, he gets a lot of flack for his voice, especially now, but he can still dig deep and pull out a really soft, sweet voice when he needs to for something like this. And this was one of the ones that I just I, I wept like a baby during. I just I couldn't believe I was hearing it live. Yeah, I mean, when I I I was purposely not uh, listening to any of the bootlegs that you can find on YouTube and stuff beforehand because I wanted to kind of just Same. you know I was like I just want to experience it, but it was so cool to know within the first verse, oh, this is going to be completely different than the one mm-hmm. I know, and you know this is one of those things where I mean I don't know if Bob's defensive anymore about these things because it's been so long, but it's it's you know his his attitude is hey if you like the 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 original version you can always have that that's the one on the record yeah. And now I have two versions of the song that I love when I had one, you know, <laughs> a week ago I had one for the, for the Bonus. last, yeah, for the last 25 years I've had one version and now I have two, which is great. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like a completely Amazing. different version. And, you know, of course the song, uh, when he wrote it, it was a little, you know, not a little, a lot self mocking about, you know, somebody who was longing to paint a masterpiece when you probably figured he maybe already had or knew that he would. But now that he's older and you look back and it's kind of like, okay, he's probably written, he's probably painted several masterpieces at this point. And here's a guy wondering, when's he going to do it? And like, Bob, you have, you've already done it a bunch of times. (laughs) So it's really terrific. That's the artist who never, the artist never is finished, right? Like the next one will be their masterpiece. And you could argue also that this song was not, I wouldn't say a throwaway, but like it's from the basement tape, tapes era. Like it's from the band, you know, d- uh, you know, screwing around with the band. And it made it onto Greatest Hits Volume 2, which I don't think is actually a Greatest Hits album. It's just like an album of collection of amazing yeah, songs. Yeah, it's not, not hits really, no. Right, it's not hits, but... Um, and then there's, you know, versions with the band and without the band, but this... Like you said, this I now have a second favorite version. That yeah. was that was so beautifully put. That's terrific. It's just a great, great version. So that was again one of the to me one of the two highlights of of seeing Bob uh, on this tour. Uh, the next song was "Honest with Me," uh, which is of course from Love and Theft, which again is another rocker. Like he just wants to up tempo it and keep the and I I the the, re, the arrangement was pretty similar to the one on the record, except I liked the way he kind of slightly rephrased the refrain with the "Honest yep. with Me" of "Only You Knew" and the way he kind yep. of he sort of like spat it out a little bit, which was kind of cool. So I really I like this. I mean, I like the song anyway, but I like this version quite a bit. Yeah, this is one of the you know ones that's been. Um, in the set list since Love and Theft, um, pretty much nightly for the last, yeah, almost 20 years. It's, um, but he changed it. It, it had like that kind of Johnny Be Good feeling, feel to it. It was like, right. And then the band got like really silly at one point, like it kind of like kicked up after, like you said, the honest with me, if only you knew part. And yeah, they just said like a 50s and 60s R&B feel. It was just fun. Yeah, I mean, for people who just you know are, aren't aren't musicians, and I'm good, you're you're able to speak quite eloquently on the music side, of it, which is something I really appreciate because I can't do that. 
But uh, I mean, you have to remember that you know th- these people are his band. These guys are working right now. They're they're at their job. Yeah. We're watching them at their job. And of course, there's got to be some songs that the band just likes playing. That yes. if you're a musician, is just fun to play. And this is I get the sense this is one of those songs that they can just really dig into it and just sort of rock out and have some fun. I mean, Charlie Sexton and Tony Garnier have literally been playing this song for almost 20 years right like they're like they've been with him you know tony garnier has been with him since 90 or uh 87 i think 80, uh, either 89 or 90 like i think after oh mercy i think was when he joined um possible because i think yeah i don't know but it's a long time so like yeah they just i think all of the the blues stuff that dylan does is really works really well for this band. Like you get to see this tight, almost like as tight as like a James Brown band. Like you get, like they are, they don't miss a note. They don't miss a beat. They don't miss a cue. And they're having fun because it's, it's rock and roll. Yeah. It's, it's terrific. Um, so next up is trying to get to heaven, which is yet another song from time out of mind. And this is where I, you know, look, we're all, I, I do a Bob Dylan podcast and we're all in the tank for Bob. Uh, where everybody, anyone who's listening to this knows that for the most part, but this is where I feel like I, my critical bona fides, um, uh, are, are, are I, I feel like, what am I trying to say? I feel like that I'm, I, I'm not seeing everything through rose-colored glasses because I love this song. This is my actually my favorite song off of Time Out of Mind. But I have yet to hear him do this in concert where I thought it was all that great. And that was mm. the same thing here. I just To me, it just kind of plods along. And he, I, I've heard it three or four times at, at different shows. And I, every time I'm like, boy, I love this song on the record, but these live versions just don't do anything for me. And he, to me, he hasn't been able to crack it. And so this one, I just kind of went, eh, okay. And mm-hmm. and that makes me feel good that I'm able to appreciate the other stuff that, okay, yeah, once in a while, it isn't in my mind, all a thousand percent unicorns and violins. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm just like, eh, that was all right. And that's kind of how I felt about this one. Hearing the time out of mind stuff is so weird that hearing that it's like it's because i still think of that as new dylan it's 22 years old that album <laughs> and it was written in a time when we almost didn't have bob dylan like yeah, yeah. he almost died and a lot of those songs reflect that um and especially this obviously and so yeah i have a soft spot in my heart for the for the song itself and the album there is almost nothing more hauntingly beautiful than that one um and the arrangement on this, I don't know if you noticed, it was the same arrangement as Desolation Row. Oh, it was, God, no. Like, you, oh, I, I can never spot that stuff. I didn't know. Okay, wow, so if you go amazing. back and listen to a recording of it, he, they play a full measure that's the of the intro that's like the full you know, chorus, you know, verse chorus all the way through. And it's, it's Desolation Row. Um, huh. So we sort of like did this song to the tune of Desolation Row with the exception of the end. Um, but, um, but yeah, so you'll, you'll go back and you'll hear it. But um, I love this song. You know, it makes me so sad and melancholy and worrisome. And also, I just, I love this. Um, so I, I appreciated hearing it. You're right. It wasn't like one of the standouts on the set. Um, but he, he was playing really nice piano on it. That You could tell they really have boosted his amp um, in recent years. And if it's important to him, then it's important to me. So absolutely. Oh, I'm, you know, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, for the, we should mention that, uh, in the song, he does mention Baltimore. So of yes. course, when he got to oh, that yeah. line, uh, that? Hmm? 
Mm-hmm. People go crazy for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he got to that line, people went nuts. I mean, we, Miss Mary got a house down in Baltimore. People went nuts. And I will say oh. that um, this record came out right around when I had gotten a new email address, and I used. Um, I was 27 at the time, and I created an email address called. It was Baltimore 27, and it was taken from mm-hmm. this song. I had it for for up until just a couple of years ago. So I said, I love the song. It's my favorite song off of Time Out of Mind, but in concert, I've just never been able to crack it. So, you know, fine. Wow. Um, and then we move on to the next song, which is yet another song from Time Out of Mind. So he's getting, like, getting, a, lot of, uh, getting a lot of play here. Uh, Make You Feel My Love. Now, that's, this is the flip side of Trying to Get to Heaven, and that Make You Feel My Love is my least favorite song on, on Time Out of Mind. On, off, of, off of that record, it's my least favorite song, but I actually really liked this live version. Oh my God! Wait, Rob. I didn't think I need a second to like process that. Wow. I didn't say Make I did. Feel- wait, I didn't say I disliked it. I, know, I said it's my course, least of favorite of the record. So. Wow, amazing. That's that's wow. I think Highlands would probably be my least favorite. Although okay. he mentions Neil Young in Highlands, so that's pretty good. Okay, uh, <laughs> um, I love I love this song, and what I love about it is because it's Bob Dylan taking this song back after the last few years of like people thinking this is an Adele song and like they hear yeah. it like oh Adele so I mean Adele's amazing and that version is amazing but like I hate anyone who knows me and is friends with me and knows my obsession with Bob Dylan also know that I get angry when people think that like artists that recorded his songs wrote it yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I get like go on rants about it so this is one of them i was like this is i was like no this is bob's song and he can sing it beautifully in a concert too so that's how i how i felt about it it was it was like it was very lullaby-esque it was like his voice was very soft but scratchy comforting it was it was it felt to me like grandpa bob was reading <laughs> a bedtime story and singing me a lullaby <laughs> it's on that list with like all along the watchtower and the mighty quinn yes. that are famous yes. songs that people are like that's a bob dylan song like yeah yeah that's a bob dylan song yeah yeah so yeah no i really i really enjoyed it i thought it was really really good so uh next up was pay and blood from mm. tempest that is my favorite song off of that record and that was a, again a terrific version that's against a nasty angry song mm-hmm. uh and i really i i really dug i thought it was terrific I loved how the drum and the bass hit not my own while he sang it. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like, boom, Bob is like, he was bringing it with pain and blood. You know, Tempest isn't my favorite album by any means. I certainly enjoy it. Um, and I, I sort of have accepted it is going to be a fixture in his concerts until he releases another album, which is fine. I mean, <laughs> not um, but it was great. <laughs> It was, it was fun. I don't think people around me knew it. Um, I did because, you know, but, <laughs> um, but it was great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fire. He was like, oh, and there was a nice Charlie Sexton solo about halfway through. And he, you know, it, it's weird with Charlie Sexton because he is a legendary Texas blues guitarist who was with Bub for a while, then not for a long time, and then rejoined a few years ago. And Bob's not really into solos with no, his with no. band. And it's like there are a few songs where he lets like Charlie cut loose. There are very, there are very precise and timed solos, but like, it's not like they have long jams at a Dylan concert. And so it's always, I've always wondered like what, like Charlie Sexton must really love Bob Dylan in order to do this. Cause he could be playing anywhere. He could be doing anything, but he's touring 90 dates a year with Bob I mean, I would, of course, if I was a guitarist, <laughs> I mean, a professional guitarist, I'm a guitarist, but I would do whatever he wanted. I would 
stand there, you know, with the lampshade on my head. But anyway, as <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's 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 terrific. And uh, yeah, I mean, I noticed that uh, right after the record came out, he rewrote some of the words. And he's still singing that version. So obviously, oh, really? yeah, yeah. The, there's there's one verse I forget exactly what it is that's uh, that was been rewritten, and he's stuck with that one for the past. Good lord, oh. Temp- Tempest is seven years old at this point. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, so obviously the version that he recorded as soon as he started took it on the road, he decided to rewrite it, and that's the version he's he's stuck with. So I said, I I love that song. It's terrific. Well, now you've given me some homework. Now I have to there go back go. and figure out what that is. All um, right. I'll All right. Very cool. I think you can even – I think it's on BobDylan.com. You can even see the new words. I think that's the really? – Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, you, like, um, officially rewrote it. Wow. Yep, yep. Uh, next up is the other – my other highlight, oh. which was Lenny oh, Bruce. God. And this is a song that I have never loved all that much. It's off of Shot of Love, which again, it's nice that it's it's nice that he's pulling things off of eighties records. Because yeah. generally generally the seventies and eighties records don't get much of a of a of a spotlight. It's it right. tends to be sixties, nineties, and two thousands. Um right. but anyway, it was nice to sing an obscure song. And I actually very much prefer this live version. It's almost a solo piano version and the, the band just very lightly in the background. But I, I immediately said this is my favorite version of this song. I thought it was just great. It was, it was amazing. I mean, this was a true treat. I know people who, who said they were going to see Bob Dylan just because they bought tickets because they heard this was going to be on the set list. And it's wow. just like, Oh, you're going to get to hear Lenny Bruce live. Like again, shadow of it's sort of one of those albums where it's like, there are different versions of those songs that are so much better um, every grain of sand, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, Lenny Bruce and every grain of sand are like the highlights of that album. And yeah, like the it's eighties. So it sounds very canned and very overproduced. I couldn't believe I was hearing this song with my ears. I was like, I'm getting to see this live now. This is amazing. Um, at, I don't know how much you know about like fish, but when, very little. Okay. So fish, when they're touring, um, every set list every night is different and they'll, they'll do what's called a bust out. And that's when they play a song that they haven't played in however many years. And all the fish nerds there are like, Oh, he hasn't played this since Alpine Valley 2001, you know? (laughs) And, uh, this was about, this was the bust out of the tour. Um, he hadn't played it since 2008 and when it debuted in, in Irvine, um, a couple months ago. And he, he, just sort of sat at the piano and played it straight. And his voice was, was sweet. You could tell he was like, I'm wondering why he's like thinking about Lenny Bruce right now. Cause obviously this is like a personal song and a tribute. So I wonder why now he's like, Oh, I'm going to dust that one off. Cause that's important to me right now. You know, I wonder that was, myself. I mean, like I wonder, is he, is he watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon yeah. <laughs> prime? And he's like, Oh, I wrote a song about Lenny Bruce. Let me pull that one out. I mean, who knows? <laughs> It would be amazing if they used that song in like the closing credits of an episode, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was really stirring. And it was one of those ones where I just sat there and was just really focused on him. And just I love the the, the quietness of it. And the band was so restrained in the background. It was, again, this and Masterpiece to me were the two highlights. And and there's something, you know, about that they're obscure songs. You know, I mean, this is this is not something I don't expect to hear very much. So that was just terrific. Just just great. It was the second time I cried that night. (laughs) Really, really good. Uh, Next up was we're back to Tempest with early Roman Kings. And I tend to feel that they the guys like playing this just for that riff. 
just yep. that burn you know that old blues riff i feel like that's it almost feels like that's why bob just wrote the song he just wanted to use that that blues riff that he had in his head from a million other songs that he just yeah. wrote new words for it yeah i mean this was let's highlight the band here it's we're you know we're 12 songs in let's go guys and who would have thought that early Roman Kings, you know, a, a track from Tempest was going to be honestly one of the like crowd pleasing highlights of the night that got everyone mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and really into it. And then the crowd, I, I'm sure they did this at your um, your show, but the crowd went nuts when he sang, I ain't dead yet. My bell still rings. <laughs> it, like, and it was, uh, it was very reminiscent of a few years ago when he would do spirit of the water yes. on the water and he would go think I'm over the hill and everyone would go, no, think I'm past my prime. No. <laughs> so it's like, this is like the new one. So it's like, don't say Bob doesn't engage with the audience. He's clearly doing that. So everyone will go crazy, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you can tell he likes singing that line. He, at the milwaukee show he, he had a big grin from ear to ear after that it was great <laughs> that's fantastic that's yeah that's really really cool yeah it's a fun again it's a fun romp it's just that's just got to be a blast for those guys to play uh and now uh, next up was shooting all the way back to the, wow. uh, the oldest song on the set list which is girl from the north country uh which again was just a quiet sort of piano thing just a nice reverie of this girl from god your good lord this song is almost 60 years old at this point it was really really quite beautiful and the arrangement was amazing it sounded like something you would hear in like a civil war documentary it had this it had this like little melody in between each verse it would go it was like da 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 and i don't know if you caught that in like the the violin with he the violin was completely mirroring what he was playing on piano. They were completely in sync. Oh wow! No, like, I don't. I don't notice these things. Dang. <laughs> so it was just like this beautiful little melody that was not like the original and not like any other version I'd heard before. So I, I highly recommend this being one of the ones you like go back to and uh, and, and listen listen to again. It, it's like an Americana style, you know, which he's been nominated before many times. Yes, uh, in yeah, that yeah. category. Um, and this is another one I cried during. <laughs> this I, I, is a very emotional night for me. <laughs> I, I thought it was very instructive that uh, back when uh, when he did the 30th anniversary concert, uh, and then he came out to sing a couple songs. Like you know, this is one of the ones that he did. You know, and it was I like, know. and yeah. you know, this is something that he holds kind of in his back pocket, and then he pulls it out. Yeah, it was really, really quite quite beautiful uh next up was not dark yet the fourth Ooh. song the fourth song from time out of mind uh, and this this was one of the ones again that my girlfriend kelly really loved because she knew that song and she really likes that song and then for this version just it sounds completely different and uh, she really enjoyed it which was great i loved that she was able to make that a b comparison to hearing like wow this is what he can do with a song where he just completely reworks it that that little um little tune he was sort of doing was it was like it felt like dark and murky and haunting and slow it felt like a daniel lenoir inspired thing like yeah. like like it could have this version could have been on time out of mind or like we would have heard it on as an outtake on telltale signs mm. you know um because right at right at, at um it's not dark yet at the yet part the band pulls pulls out and pauses and then Bob like very hauntingly sings, but it's getting there. And then yeah. Charlie goes, 
and then the drums and bass come in boom and it's just like what just happened like it felt like a ghost passed through my body (laughs) It, it was just like um i'd never heard of uh a version like this before it was it was this was this was one of the top three moments for me you know songs for me on on the set list and it's the one on the recordings i have i've listened to over and over i can't get it out of my head it's 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 stuck there so amazing to think that it was you know written clearly by at least in the character of someone preparing for the end mm-hmm. it's getting there and that was that was 22 years ago <laughs> i know i know and he's not there like it's is it getting there i don't know <laughs> yeah it's uh, remarkable uh really terrific and then uh big change in tempo thunder on the mountain uh which again i think is just to kind of like just change things up just you know let's put a rocker into this and just boom boom boom, boom. and i love this song I, this is one of my favorite of his recent songs just because the, the the wordplay is so delightful about uh you know the alicia keys references and the talk about the ladies of washington and the, the you know recruiting his <laughs> army like that line? yeah oh awesome. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. recruiting yeah. an army from the orphanages i mean just i i, I yeah. love this song so much so it was great and again he just rocked it up even faster than the version on modern times this is again he just super super fast yeah uh rob this is my favorite song on modern times which is one of my favorite bob dylan albums period i love 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 modern times me too um and um i liked in 2006 when they would sort of open the encore with it and like the the big eye symbol that he would that he had would like unveiled and they would do the full solos at the beginning like that are on the album so i definitely missed that this wasn't my favorite version it went very fast he definitely was slurring a lot of the lyrics <laughs> and i mean most people around me didn't couldn't didn't really know because thunder on the mountain is the first line of a stanza instead of the the refrain or the hook so right. like it, it's not like you know not dark yet but it's getting there people could wait for it and gary was like you know so it's kind of hard he kind of breezed through it but you could tell they had the band was really cooking. They had a great time. Finally, the drummer got a solo. Um, drum newcomer Matt Chamberlain. Matt Chamberlain, yeah. Um, still wondering what happened to George Roselli, um, but uh, who'd also been with him for twenty years. But uh, it was a great drum solo, and then a big ending with drum, guitars, the whole thing. It could have co- closed the show. Yeah. But... Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and next up, another recent song from Tempest, Soon After Midnight, which is, this was one of those songs that when I first heard it on the record, I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. And now I've come to love it. I just love the simplicity of it. I love the lilting. And then that weird, dark, ominous about dragging a corpse through the mud, which is <laughs> this, this, this beautiful love song. And then you dig in this one violent element. So I really love that. This is what, probably my second favorite song on that record. And so I'm glad that it's getting some love uh, in a, on, you know, on the stage. Yeah, and that's consistent with Tempest. There's a lot of like beautiful imagery, and then all of a sudden, like violent yeah. violence in there, um, you know, which is sort of both surprising and interesting. Um, I, I, at this point in the show, I ha- I'd sort of had my fill of Tempest songs, but it was great. It, you know, it was like okay, that was awesome. Um, 
because I, I love it. I love it all. You know, yeah, it was, it was a good chance to kind of sit down for a bit and get ready for the, for the encore. I like kind of chilled for a little bit there. Oh, Bob definitely enjoys the, the, the up and the down of it. In fact, I think I saw an interview with him a while ago where he said that when he went back and listened to time out of mind, he was a little upset that the, the, the album had as he put it, sort of sounded the same. And so mm-hmm. he was like, I wanted to really change things up. And of course, you listen to Love and Theft, and Love and Theft is up, down, up, down. I mean, right. you can tell he really concentrated on that. So I think that's what he's doing here. And then uh, he wraps up basically the bulk of the show with Gotta Serve Somebody, which <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, a, I mean, he's been doing this before. This is not that new, but he right. generally doesn't pull things from the quote unquote gospel era, uh, even though this was a big hit, one of his biggest hits. He actually won a Grammy for it. Um, but, and it's a super rocked up version of Gotta serve somebody too it was really fun it was so fun um you know it's funny that you said uh i'll you know he doesn't do much of the christian stuff believe it or not the last time i saw him in milwaukee which was in 2004 he played i believe in you wow (laughs) wow, which is like which the way hearing it now in a different context it was a beautiful love song you know Mm -hmm. like um you know, as a, I, I'm, a, I'm a Jewish educator by trade. I'm a, I'm a teacher in a, in a Jewish day school. And so, you know, the Christian period of Bob Dylan, you know, my wife's a rabbi, like Judaism is a very much a part of our lives. So obviously the Christian period for Dylan is like always like sort of a weird thing for me. <laughs> I, of right. course, love all of those albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the bootleg series on that. But, yeah, was, you know, got to serve somebody. It's just he's just like spitting the truth, you know, about the world. Mm-hmm. It's 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 great. And yeah, this version was different. And I think this is better as a fast tempo um, blues song than as sort of like that sort of R&B slow thing on the on the album anyway. So I thought it served them, served, served him well. Yeah. And except I just enjoy hearing stuff again. The 70s and 80s records just don't I've been I've seen him again 24 times. I, the seventies and eighties record just always get short shrift. They just I always know. do. I mean, he's <laughs> he's very much sixties last two decades, sixties last two decades, and so I like it when the seventies get a get a get a shine. I mean, so I'm, I was yeah. ha- happy to hear it. Uh, oh, there was one funny thing that happened at the Milwaukee show. So people were like really up and dancing during this one, super into it. And it, and the last time he said, um, the last time he says he said. Uh, uh, you may be the devil, you might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. He pointed to someone in the crowd, which I've never, ever seen oh. him ever. It was, and people went bananas. Like oh it was, my God. have you oh. ever seen him do anything like that? Like gesticulate at someone in the crowd? No. No, not really. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. So that, was, that was cool. He oh, was having fun. That's amazing. Oh, that's really cool. So, uh, and that ended the the bulk of the concert, and then he goes away, and then of course everybody knows that's just the kind of moment to to get up off your feet, make a bunch of noise, which is what we did, and then they come out for the encore. They just walk out, uh, and then they do the two songs of the encore. It opened with "Ballad of a Thin Man," uh, which uh, is my least favorite song off of Highway sixty one. Again, I like it, but it's my least favorite uh, because I just I just feel like it goes on a little long. But I kind of mm-hmm. liked that this one was again it's more rocked up version which i enjoyed and of course everybody did. the refrain is so famous you know and that yeah. it's 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 on a it's on a list with rainy day women 12 and 35 which is a song everybody knows but they don't know the title because right. they just know the mr right. jones song so I, right. I it seems like an odd choice for an encore song because it's so dark and yeah. you know ominous it seems like because usually encore songs are kind of up and let's send the crowd out but uh he's been 
He's been sticking he with it. it for a while. He's been doing this. I mean, I, I was sort of halfway through my sort of probably like show 10 or 11 or maybe 12 or 13 when I, when I finally heard it live. Like there was a long time he wasn't doing it. And then he kind of swapped out either Watchtower or like Rolling Stone for it for a while. And he's been playing it for quite a some time. I agree. It is one of my least favorite on that album. But like, you know, when you see him do it on No Direction Home, it's really amazing because he's playing piano. And then you're like, oh, I'm seeing him now live playing piano. You know, it's like a sort of a mirror image. Um, and you can tell he likes it. It's fun for yeah. him. Those And lyrically, it's one of his most brilliant songs from that that period. So it's always cool to hear. I, I would honestly, for a show closer, actually prefer Watchtower, like a Rolling Stone or Blowing in the Wind, even though I've heard them a billion times. Mm-hmm. But but fine with me. It was it was it was fun. Yeah. Uh, and then the final song is yet another song from Highway 61. Revisited the third song from that record, which is It a lot, Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry, which was always one of my favorites. Uh, and I love that. I love the my favorite line is the the final line about uh, I don't want to be your lover, baby. I, I want to be your mm-hmm. lover, baby. I don't want to be your boss. I can't help it none if this train gets lost or if your mm-hmm. train gets lost. Uh, it, Again, not necessarily what I would think of as as a song to end the show, uh, but it but moves and it's 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 fun to listen to and it's again it's also kind of short too, so it's again it's a good nice up tempo rock number and that wraps up the show. Believe it or not, this was the third of the three songs I had never heard live before mm. um, with with Masterpiece and uh, Lenny Bruce. So I was so super excited for this, and like you said earlier, I didn't listen to any recordings because I just wanted to experience it you know, live for the first time. Um, this song is only three verses <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he got almost six minutes out of this because it's just a killer blues song. And it's the second song I ever learned how to play on guitar. First one was <laughs> blowing in the wind. So I love, I just love it. You know, it, um, the pretty standard, slow driving blues. We sort of, inverted the the riff that comes on the album a little bit um killer solo from charlie at the end of the at the end and he did like two nice turnaround he did like a nice turnaround fake out um where it was like and then he goes winter time is coming he just like it wasn't the end of the song uh which i thought was really cool um and then they ended big uh that was it you know yeah, and he's That's done. Amazing. He disappears, and and that's it. And uh, it's sort of funny because uh, I was again as I explained to Kelly that like we we're trying to prepare for what she was about to see, and I'm like he doesn't talk to the audience. There's no intro. I mean, there was for a little while, but there's no intro, and he doesn't introduce the band. Even she's like, really? Doesn't even say nope, nothing. He I mean, used to, yeah. you know, he used to. He doesn't anymore. And it's funny you mentioned Matt Chamberlain, who is new to the band, and it's like all the other guys he's been playing with Garnier and Sexton and Bob Britt and Donnie Heron have been playing with him for a long time they're used to probably his idiosyncrasies about how he chooses to do the show but i'm like poor matt chamberlain doesn't get a round of applause he's new know. you know what i mean wouldn't I it be know. nice to to do like a little like fill where you're like hey everybody tony guardian base yay matt chamberlain yeah you know like matt, i'm sure matt chamberlain would like that so I but know. i guess i guess they probably sat him down there like matt you're just gonna play and that's going to be it, man. That's, you know, playing, getting to play live with Bob Dylan, I guess, is enough. So uh, but, I guess I mean, it would be enough for me. You know, Brit is Brit is definitely new to the band. He he plays on five or six songs on Time Out of Mind. But um, he's he's also a newcomer. Is to he? The band. Well, he's not been on yeah. tour before. No, no. And oh, wow. I thought he had been. 
no, he's just sort of like one of these great session guys that even Dylan has used. And yeah, Dylan brought him on and, um, yeah, I mean, he used to introduce the band and that was one of the highlights of the show. And, and the intro used to be the highlight. It's okay. It's fine. I mean, that's so funny that like he, yeah, it's not like he came out and was like, hello, Baltimore, are you ready to rock? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that would be surreal if he uh, yeah. did that kind of patter and stuff like that. That would be weird. <laughs> but yeah, so, and then said they, he stands there. He, sometimes I've seen him, he doesn't even bow, but this time they bowed. Uh, yeah. And they got the round of applause. Bow. They did a bow. They wander off and that's it. You know, uh, we're just, he's off into the night, off to the, you know, he's heading out on the other road, headed for another joint. And yeah. uh, we all, we piled up in our car after buying the t-shirts and and we headed home and we just had a great evening and you know it was just it was one of the stronger shows that i have seen i mean look i like you we're gonna gush about this um i i love seeing him and and i've said on other episodes i don't even really care how great the shows are anymore i'm going more because it's clear that bob regards himself mostly as a touring musician at this point than a than a than a session that it no, excuse me not a session than a than a uh, a guy that makes records right. um and and so to me i'm like the leap for all he's given me uh over these decades the least i can do is buy a ticket when he swings by my town and uh you know he i normally i would go see him in philadelphia but the timing didn't work right so we saw him in baltimore so i felt like i'm doing the least i can do is hey he's in town Bob, I'm gonna come see you, and I'm so glad I did. I we were me and Dan were sorry we didn't get to go last year, uh, but life got in the way. But this year we got to, and, and I was it, it just walked out very satisfied, and it was all in all um, just a wonderful, wonderful evening. I have one other thing I want to mention before we wrap up, but but so ultimately, what was your takeaway from seeing these two shows? Um, the Milwaukee show was one of the top three shows I've ever seen. This was, it was, it was every, it was truly special. I mean, and that the first time I saw him was probably number one. And then there's, you know, something somewhere in the middle there. Um, it was every single arrangement was intentional and interesting and different and not a mess. Like last time I saw him a couple of years ago, they were like tangled up in blue was kind of a mess. Um, uh, I still love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. Um, but it, it was, it, it was just like a magical, spiritual, religious, emotional experience. And, you know, I do, I do feel like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to see him again. Like, cause he'll go to Japan and then I'll do a Europe tour. And then, and then you know, <laughs> when he comes back around in a couple falls from now, who knows if he'll hit, he'll make it to the Midwest. You know, like sometimes he just like skips cities or part, parts of the country. So you know, it was really important to me to go. And, um, I feel, I, I feel very grateful to my wife for like letting me go like two different nights and like <laughs> she took care of, you know, the babies. And I feel grateful to Bob for like pro- doing this for me. Um, and I feel very grateful to you for giving me a forum to talk about how much I loved oh, it. Not at all. <laughs> I said I was I was so happy to finally you know talk, you know spend an hour or, or so talking about the show because it was so fun. And it's sort of fun to think when you realize like, but but the time you and I see him again, probably right, he'll have been to like to like Reykjavik. Yeah, and like Sydney and Hiroshima, like you know, what I mean, he'll do right. all these crazy places. And you're like, good lord, he's just how much time he must spend in a plane and on a bus and on his van or whatever. It's just a unbelievable like what is his life. You know, I like know what's I, I can't imagine. Um, one other thing I uh, that I wanted to mention, uh, and I, I again, I probably said this before as well. 
um, I, I will never get over um, that that feeling you get when you realize you're in the room with the guy. You know, know, you're in the room with the guy, the guy that stood next to Martin Luther King, the guy yeah. that has met presidents, the guy who, ha- you know, has played for like the Pope, the guy that has won the Oscar, the guy who, you know, the guy that was in a band with one of the Beatles. You know, yeah. it's like that's the guy. He's he a real the Beatles person. Right. Music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he introduced the Beatles on how to smoke pot. I mean, it's like. Right. That is, you know, for all of the the, the the way your mind plays tricks on you, when you know you know intellectually that he's a real person, of course he is. But there's something else that when he's literally in the room with you and it's just such a treat and I'll never get over that. I'm just like, wow, that is the guy right there. Uh, yeah. It's just such a treat. And uh, the last thing I want to mention before I sign off and speaking of being in the room with someone and it's very exciting is the morning of the show. Uh, I was coming into work and uh, I happened to mention that, you know, hey, tonight I'm going to see Bob. And I put up a little image of the poster and uh, a a friend of the show. He's been a guest, Harry Hugh on Twitter, uh, made a joke about how uh, Laura Tenchert, the host of the Definitely Dylan radio show, who has been a guest on the show. show. I love that show. Uh, is also going to be a in the U.S. and at the Baltimore show. So Harry makes a joke that maybe we were the same person, and I was like, I thought he was kidding because somehow I missed Laura's tweet, and I was like, wait, what, what? You know, and I'm like, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to do work, which I don't even care about, but I'm trying, you know what I mean? I'm like, (laughs) I'm on my Twitter, and I'm like, wait, is this a joke? And then we realized, no, that somehow I had missed Laura's tweets, and she happened to be in the U.S. with. With her, I believe her husband. Excuse me if I'm if I'm jumping the gun there. Um, but she happened to be in the U.S. and she was going to be at this show, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it that the, the, someone all the way from England that I have been friends with and has been a guest on my show, and I'm such a fan of of her show, was going to be at the same Dylan concert. I couldn't believe it. I messaged her and I said, "Laura, I said I can't believe." It. I said, "We have got to meet up." And so she says, "What section are you in?" And I said, "I'm in 107. Where are you?" And she goes. 107 what i was like are you kidding me i said what row she goes row f we were row e uh you basically saw the show with her we basically saw the so so i could i mean it was like if you put that in a tv show people or a movie you're like that's fake that's not gonna happen but we we walked in i walked right back and there she was there i mean, oh, know what laura God. looks like and so i got a picture of her i posted it up on the pod dylan twitter feed i posted it on facebook and it was so wonderful to be able to meet up with a fellow Dylan fan, especially someone again from so far away at That's the magical. same show. We talked about the show as soon as it was, it was over, uh, and 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 she and Kelly got to talk a little bit because again, Laura is such a so knowledgeable about Bob, and she getting to talk to somebody who was brand new to this. It was magical and so i am so glad that it worked out the way it did that we happened to be at this show that not only did i get to see a great show and i got to take someone i i I very much love and 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 expose her to this thing that i love but then to get to meet laura on top of it was just it was just like a perfect evening so i am so so big big thanks to harry hugh for pointing it out because had he not (laughs) i might have missed it entirely it was just wonderful that's amazing. Her and I think her episode about that show just dropped today yes, or yesterday. Yes. So that's amazing. I can't wait to hear, hear her take on the the meeting of the Dylan minds. I was, that's amazing. It was just unbelievable. I, I'm that picture I have of the two of us is like one of my little proudest moments because I just feel so like I, I feel you know Dil, Dylan 
scholarship is a big club and uh there were people who can be not as welcoming and and luckily the the people on twitter have been incredibly warm-hearted and generous to me about my little humble effort here and so mm. it makes me feel really good to, to be friends with these people and it was just like i said it just it meant the world to me to have that that picture i mean i'll be honest i kept looking at it as i was driving home i was sitting in the back seat of dan's car and i just kept and i got a picture of me and kelly and i got a picture of me and dan and it just it just it was just a wonderful evening on top of it being a great concert you know, so it was just a great, great experience. I'm so, so glad that you reached out to me and said, you know, hey, Rob, I'm at the show, too. This is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm at the, you know, I saw these shows and I've seen you enjoy it. It was just great. I love getting to meet, quote unquote, new Dylan fans. Uh, yeah. And so it was just wonderful. So. so, again, so thank you so much for doing this with me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. I enjoyed it, too. All right. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gonzo3249, but I also actually have um, my own podcast um, with my friend Brandon Bernstein called Funny They Don't Look Jewish. It's a very niche podcast, and I, I mean, fans of the Fire and Water Network are no stranger to niche podcasts. No, certainly but, not. <laughs> but it's, um, we're, we're examining um, explicitly Jewish content in comic books. We're sort of... Um, you know, everyone knows that like the creators of all of the superheroes that we love were were Jewish, but that's sort of where it always stops with that conversation. So we're looking at characters that are canonically Jewish in the comics, like The Thing and Batwoman and Kitty Pride. Ragman. Uh, Ragman, thank you. Our most recent episode. Um, and we're we're looking for not just like a character saying like "oi" or eating a bagel. We're looking for <laughs> yeah, we're looking for like a a comic book character who's, um, you know, uh, praying in a Jewish way or celebrating a holiday. Like we, you know, in the thing episode, we talk about the things bar mitzvah and his Jewish wedding. And so, um, that's that uh, you can find it at Jewish comics, pod.simplecast.fm. And you can follow us on Twitter at Jewish comics pod and Facebook also at Jewish Comics Pod. And we're also, and you know, in, in addition to the podcast, I'm also keeping an eye on things like the new Batwoman TV show. I'm sort of like doing Jewish watch on it, you know, um, and, um, you know, any other uh, Jewish content in uh, comic book culture. Very cool. Uh, we will have that link in the show notes as well. That's really, really cool. So again, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. It was just a, a blast getting to talk to you. And of course, everybody, uh, we're, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. We're always talking Bob over on Twitter, as I mentioned, which is his pod underscore Dylan. And of course, I have to mention that if you want to support the network, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. And for different pledges, you can unlock rewards one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. And so I have to thank Robert Ward and another uh, pledger who chooses to be masked and anonymous. So thank you so much mm -hmm. for supporting Pod Dylan. So, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, the tour is still rolling as of when we were recording this. So if you have a chance to go see Bob, go do it. You will really, really enjoy it. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Thank you.
Stay right there till I pay my master. 